for and all the men of Judah and all the inhabitants of Jerusalem with him. And the priests and the prophets and all the people, both small and great, and he read in their hearing all the words of the book of the covenant which was found in the house of the Lord. And the king stood by the pillar and made a covenant before the Lord to walk after the Lord and to keep his commandments and his testimonies and his statutes with all his heart and all his soul to carry out the words of this covenant that were written in his book. And all the people entered into the covenant. So, the king, Josiah, gets all the elders of Judah and Jerusalem and he reads all the book of the covenant that they found. <laughs> he wants them to know about this. And what do they all decide to do? Make a covenant. To? God. Keep to? Keep the law. Yeah. They make a covenant to keep the covenant. <laughs> They make up their mind they're going to do what God says. This is almost like a covenant renewal. I mean, they've got a responsibility to keep the covenant, but they're publicly committing themselves that that's exactly what they're going to do. That they're going to, to agree together that they're going to do what this says. So Josiah is having a positive impact on them as long as it goes. And it goes about a long, as long as there's a Josiah. <laughs> it's about how long it goes. Right. That's interesting because he doesn't just think like, well, it's too late anyway, they're going to go into captivity, so we might as well not even try to serve the Lord. Like, he realizes that there's a deeper principle there that you're supposed to serve him, even if you're still going to be carried into captivity. Yes, and 40 days and Nineveh will be destroyed. Right. Who's to say if God won't spare us if we sure. repent? Many could have, except they didn't. They didn't repent. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, they. he did delay it so it didn't happen during Josiah's day because Josiah did lead them kind of to, uh, you know, these reforms. However, even a passage like Jeremiah chapter 3 talks about the, the uh, return. I got a new Bible. I can't get anything open in this thing. There we go. Now, Jeremiah 3.10, Yet in spite of all this, her treacherous sister Judah did not return to me with all her heart, but rather in deception, declares the Lord. So I take it that the people went along with Josiah, they made the covenant, they looked better, but they didn't really go along with this with all their heart. That's, that's my take. So really... As soon as Josiah's gone, they jump right back in bed with all the idols. Other thoughts or comments on this? Four to fourteen. And the king commanded <coughs> Hilkiah the high priest and the priests of the second order and the keepers of the threshold to bring out of the temple of the Lord all the vessels made for Baal, for Asherah, and for all the host of heaven. He burned them outside Jerusalem in the fields of Kidron and carried their ashes to Bethel. And he deposed the priest uh, whom the kings of Judah had ordained to make offerings in the high places and at the cities of Judah and around Jerusalem. Those also who burned incense to Baal, uh, to the sun and the moon and the constellations and all the host of the heavens. And he brought out the Asherah from the house of the Lord outside Jerusalem to the brook Kindred and, and burned it at the book, brook Kindred, uh, Kidron and beat it to dust and cast the dust of it upon the graves of the common people. And he broke down the houses of the male cult prostitutes who were in the house of the Lord where the women wo wove hangings for the Asherah. 
And he brought all the priests uh, out of the cities of Judah and defied the high, defiled the high places where the priests had made offerings from Geba to Beersheba. And he broke down the high places of the gates that were at the entrance of the gate of Joshua, the governor of the city, which were on one's left at the gate of the city. However, the priests of the high places uh, did not come up to the, uh, to the altar of the Lord in Jerusalem, but they ate unleavened bread among their brothers. And he defiled Topheth, which is in the valley of the son of Hinnom, that no one might burn his son or his daughter as an offering to Molech. And he, remo he removed the horses that the kings of uh, Judah had dedicated to the sun at the entrance of the house of the Lord by the chamber of Nathan Melech, the chamberlain, which was in the precincts. And he burned the chariots of the sun with fire, and the altars on the roof of the upper chamber of Ahaz, which the kings of Judah had made, and the altars that Manasseh had made, and the two courts of the house of the Lord, he pulled down and broke in pieces, and cast the dust of them onto the brook Kidron. And the king defiled the high places that were east of Jerusalem, to the south of the Mount of uh, Corruption, which Solomon the king of Israel had built for Ashtoreth, for Ashtoreth <coughs> the abomination of the Sidonians, and for Chemosh, the abomination of Moab and for Milcom the abomination of the Ammonites. And he broke in pieces the pillars and cut down the ashram and filled them, their places with the bones of men. We're really not done with that yet. We just I thought it might be good to break up the reading a moment, but we really go on in that vein a few more verses. Uh, what do you see in that? A lot of idolatry. A lot of idolatry and a lot of... Burning. A lot of burning and... Destroying. destroying and smashing and defiling. defiling and desecrating and grinding to dust and scattering and wow just look at the verbs through this would you um, you know in verse 4 he burned and carried their ashes uh, in verse 5 let's see he did away with in verse 6 he brought out and burned and ground it to dust and and threw the dust on the graves. In seven, he broke down. In eight, he defiled the high places. You know, in ten, he defiled Topheth, did away with the horses. You know, and so forth and so on. I mean, how does that make you feel about Josiah? I was more impressed with how many feel about what they've done. Well, it does show you they were um, very um, dedicated. Yeah, dedicated. That's they a good word. They were very, they were very uh, enthusiastic idolaters. They they were idolaters with all their hearts. Very diversified too. They were. Yes, they were. They they had it all. Yeah. You know, they had quite the uh, range of opportunities for worship. They they were really religious people. Because they had all kinds of stuff to worship. But what about Josiah in this? What does it make him look like? Very passionate. Passionate? Because he's like, not just taking them down, he's like destroying them. Well, destroying them or desecrating. He was desecrating different things so that they would be dishonored and disgraced and couldn't be used, you know, anytime soon. So he's really like yeah, it's kind of rub it in your face. You don't just demolish it, but you 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 dirty it. You 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 know somehow dishonor it and disgrace it. Is that is that really a good attitude on on Josiah's part? 
He doesn't seem to have any respect for other people's faith. <laughs> you know, he, he just, he's he trying to destroy everything that doesn't agree with his beliefs. Is that really a loving thing to do? Yeah. I mean, I think we need to take a lesson from characters like this. I think clearly Josiah is presented as an outstanding example. I mean, he made this covenant in 23.3 to keep the commandments and testimonies and statutes with all his heart and all his soul. We had 22.2, he did right in the sight of the Lord and walked in all the way of his father David, nor did he turn aside to the right hand or the left. And at the end of his reign... There is uh, something similar in twenty three twenty five. Before him, there was no king like him who turned who turned to the Lord with all his heart, with all his soul, and with all his might. Nobody better after him. I mean, I think you could argue Josiah was the best king Israel ever had, but man, was he negative. He was just smashing and burning and chopping and desecrating and whatever because he. The, the, I mean, these things are wrong. These things are idolatrous. They're an affront to God. And he's passionate for the Lord. So when we're opposed to things that are wrong, that doesn't necessarily mean we have a wrong attitude. You know, Josiah was. He really had his work cut out for him. It's amazing how much stuff there is. And uh, he goes back and, and mentions you know, names of kings like Ahaz in 12, and uh, there's some others, Manasseh, Manasseh, yeah, and uh, Solomon and Jeroboam a little later in verse 15. So, I mean, he's really undoing the damage done by his predecessors. (laughs) But, you know, it would be so much easier if you didn't have to undo stuff, if you could just, you know, start with a blank slate. But a lot of times, even in our work, we're going to have to unteach before we teach. We're going to have to get people to throw away before they can put on. So, thoughts and comments through verse 14. All right, what fifth. What the people think? Because they obviously wanted all this. And they didn't, I mean, they seemed to go along with it, but you could, I could almost see them being outraged at Josiah. They weren't. I know, but I don't understand quite Josiah why. was a popular king. He was a young king. Of course, he was probably more popular after his tragic demise at the, year, at the age of 39. But no, they don't seem to have opposed it. But I don't think it really changed them. You know, uh, what is it? Is it Jeremiah? No, it's Ezekiel 14, I think, where he talks about, you know, you got rid of your idols, but your idols are still in your heart. You know, there's a lot of times when we can do a lot of things, and especially in following somebody's popular lead, popular, somebody, popularity, somebody popular's lead. Can I do that? (laughs) The lead of somebody popular. Um, You know, and and so we get all enthusiastic and we're rah, rah, we're right there with them, but it may not be a heart change. I mean, that's where, you know, just somebody, you know, telling you what to do and you decide to join with them doesn't automatically mean you really change. What are you going to do when that person's not there? Are you still going to follow through with that? 
Or were you just trying to please that person? I still think it's strange that they liked him. Well, he was a young, you know, positive king in, in many ways. I, I don't know. I mean, it is interesting that they didn't run him out of town. Because obviously they had a stuff. They'd invested a lot of energy and time into the They had. Stuff. And so then he comes in and wipes it out. It just, I just think it seems weird that they're okay with all that. I guess maybe it shows they're not any more devoted to the idols than they are to God. Maybe so. That may be. Yeah. They're more apathetic. It's just whatever. Sure, sure. And some more expense. Yeah, now, I, it is interesting. I, I mean, he does seem popular, but it's kind of interesting. I mean, maybe they, in, the, in their heart of hearts, knew this stuff was wrong and that they needed this to happen. I don't know. Now, how about uh, 15 to 20? Furthermore, the altar that was at Bethel on the high place which Jeroboam the son of Nebat, who made Israel sin, had made, even the altar in the high place he broke down. Then he demolished its stones, ground them to dust, and burned the Asherah. Now when Josiah turned, he saw the graves that were there on the mountain, and he sent and took the bones from the graves and burned them on the altar and defiled it according to the word of the Lord, which the man of God proclaimed, who proclaimed these things. Then he said, Who is this monument that I see? Or, what is this monument that I see? And the men of the city told him, It is a grave of the man of God who came from Judah and proclaimed these things which you have done against the altar of Bethel. He said, Let him alone. Let no one disturb his bones. So they left his bones undisturbed with the bones of the prophet who came from Samaria. Josiah also removed all the houses of the high places which were in the cities of Samaria, which the kings of Israel had made provoking the Lord, and he did to them just as he had done in Bethel. All the priests of the high places who were there, he slaughtered on the altars and burned human bones on them. And he returned to Jerusalem. Okay. So, what about the altar at Bethel? The one Jeroboam set up? He ground it. Yeah. He broke it down. He demolished it. He ground it to dust. He burned the Asherah. And uh, even remember what the prophecy of the man of God had been to Jeroboam back in 1 Kings 13? Josiah is going to come and do... Josiah is going to burn human bones on this altar. How did he know that? And that's exactly what happens here. So that's a desecration also of that altar. I mean, remember that the golden calves Dan and Bethel were like the root of it all. I mean, Jeroboam was the one who made Israel sin. So he destroys all that as well. And... uh, it's just he just goes through a radical reformation uh, effort. You know, it's almost like he's rolling back the clock to pre-idolatry Jerusalem, kind of the era of David. <laughs> you know, that's that's almost what he's doing, um, and it's, that's encouraging. Um, why does he have to do so much demolishing? Uh, just order people to stay away or whatever. Well, if he demolishes it, they can't use it. I think that's part of it. it. This is a positive desecration of the Lord. You want to 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 totally destroy it. You know, I mean, think about what would you do to, uh, you know, clean a waste dump or decontaminate a, a nuclear accident site. You had to get rid of some stuff, probably, and some stuff that's been contaminated, some th- stuff that that's dangerous. You're gonna have to just dispose of it. And so, 
you know, he's really disposing of all these idle, you know, paraphernalia, <laughs> of which there was much. Thoughts and comments about this aspect of Josiah's work? Was Bethel even in his area? Well, at this point, there is no Israel. Yeah, but didn't somebody else control it? Well, yeah, perhaps. But, you know, in practice, the kings of Judah seem to have exercised some leadership over those regions. Babylon was far away. Bethel was the close... Very close, yeah. Right on the border. But, I mean, you remember, uh, maybe it's in, in uh, I think it's in Chronicles, when Hezekiah... Uh, has the big uh, Passover feast, if I'm not mistaken. Um, yeah, he celebrates this great Passover. Uh, it says in Second uh, Chronicles 30:18, for a multitude of the people, even many from Ephraim and Manasseh, Issachar and Zebulun, uh, you know, came down and partook. Um, so you know, they've had some impact on the, that area. So. You know, he, he, he takes away the, the altar at Bethel and uh, the other cities of Samaria as well. Yes. So there's further north than that. Yeah, I mean, I'm assuming the Assyrians aren't doing a whole lot. And remember, I mean, we are coming close to the time when Assyria is going down the tubes anyway. I mean, Assyria's got plenty to worry about with Babylon. And I don't know... Do we have an exact date on these things? I don't know that we do. But, um, you know, the Babylonians started taking key Assyrian cities in like 614. And didn't Babylon beat Assyria and Egypt in like 603? I don't know the answer to that. I thought it was somehow connected with the, the battle that Josiah died in. I thought Pharaoh was heading up. He was heading up. Assyria. Okay. Uh, uh, then, yeah. But that was 605. That was not in Egypt. That was in Carchemish. But yes. Right. In 605, 606, I went through there. Yeah, that's exactly right. Pharaoh was going up to try to bolster what few Assyrians there were and hold the outpost of Carchemish in Babylon. Defeated them. All right, how about uh, 21 to 25? Then the king commanded all the people, saying, Celebrate the Passover for the Lord your God, as it is written in the book of the covenant. Surely such a Passover had not been celebrated from the days of the judges who judged Israel, nor in all the days of the kings of Israel and of the kings of Judah. But in the 18th year of King Josiah, this Passover was observed to the Lord in Jerusalem. Moreover, Josiah removed the mediums and the spiritists and the teraphim and the idols and all the abominations that were seen in the land of Judah and in Jerusalem, that he might confirm the words of the law which were written in the book that Hilkiah the priest found in the house of the Lord. And before him there was no king like him who turned to the Lord with all his heart, with all his soul, and with all his might, according to all the law of Moses, nor did any like him arise after him. All right, so he celebrates the Passover in just a wonderful way. He removes the medium spirit of seraphims, idols, abominations. Uh, you know, so he's still doing a lot of that kind of stuff. 
Um, you know, really dealing with this false worship on all sorts of fronts. I mean, it's not just the idols and the images. It's the black magic and the witchcraft and, and all that kind of stuff as well. He deals with all of it. And he's commended highly for what he's doing. This is exactly the right thing. Um, he's very zealous. Man, if it, was, if it was just for him, you know, wow, this is this would be great. Uh, if, he, if the other people had an attitude, anything close to Josiah's. Unfortunately, they really don't. But Josiah was really good. And where did he get it? Not from his father, his grandfather. I mean, they died, you know, he was young when they died anyway. Probably to his advantage. <laughs> it may very well have been. That's a good point. Sometimes losing a parent early is not the worst thing that can happen. It, yeah. He's just so extreme about what he does. I mean, we were impressed when Hezekiah took down the high places and sounds like Josiah did that, and then he went up into Israel and, you know, went at Bethel, which is where it all started for Israel, and uh, it sounds like keeping the Passover was something that was maybe even rare in, like, David and Solomon's day. Uh, yeah, he is. I mean, man, he's just on fire, you know, and and very, very thorough, very intensive. And everything that he's doing. I mean, it's a great example for us. We ought to be opposed to sin and false teaching in every form. We ought to really try to be constantly leading people to the Lord to overcome those things. It still blows my mind that people like him because he's so radical. He's not He's not middle of the road at all. He is way out there. Yeah? For people that haven't so Manasseh was radical just the other way. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I agree. I don't have a good answer to that. People never seem to have much of a say. Yeah, their opinion doesn't count. Just whichever way the king went. Yeah. Yeah, but I would have... The well, people were accused of the same. I would have expected an assassination attempt. <laughs> that may be too 21st century. Well, they were assassinated all the time back here. Yeah, I guess it's true. Yeah, I guess it's true. Even though it wasn't... Yeah, that's true. Yeah. I don't know. They did. But he also wasn't double-crossing everybody, so they weren't getting as mad at him. It didn't have to do with money, so they didn't assassinate him. All right, um, 26 to 30. However, the Lord did not turn from the fierceness of his great wrath with which his anger burned against Judah because of all the provocations with which Manasseh had provoked him. The Lord said, I will remove Judah also from my sight as I have removed Israel, and I will cast off Jerusalem, this city which I have chosen, and the temple of which I said, My name shall be there. Now the rest of the acts of Josiah and all that he did, are they not written in the book of the Chronicles of the Kings of Judah? In his days, Pharaoh and Necho, king of Egypt, went up to the king of Assyria to the river Euphrates. And King Josiah went to meet him. And when Pharaoh and Necho saw him, he killed him at Megiddo. The servants drove his body in a chariot from Megiddo and brought him to Jerusalem and buried him in his own tomb. Then the people of the land took Jehoahaz, the son of Josiah, and anointed him and made him king in place of his father. Okay, so this did not change God's anger 
though it did delay it a little bit. Um, why why was was God's anger not uh, turned away? Because of Manasseh. Okay, that's that's right. I mean, the provocation of Manasseh, but but you know, you would think after all these reforms, God would have changed his mind. But I think God knows that it's too late for the nation to sincerely repent. It's like this idolatry is so ingrained in their character that it didn't really get out of them. They just quit bowing down before an image. They don't have an image. But they haven't really taken the idols out of their heart. And uh, so God knows that they're going right, to go right back. And God's going to have to punish them. Isn't it Chronicles that said there was no more remedy? Yeah. Yeah, it does. I, can't, I think. Uh, maybe. Maybe Kings. I can't remember. Okay. It's Chronicles. Yeah, that second Chronicles 36 16, though, that I think about it. Uh, yeah. They continually mocked the messengers of God, despised his words, and scoffed at his prophets until the wrath of the Lord arose against his people until there was no remedy. So here is Josiah's untimely end. Pharaoh Necho went up to the king of Assyria to the river Euphrates. We know that was at Carchemish. And Josiah went to meet him. Now, that doesn't mean like he went to say hi. He went to confront him and try to stop him at Megiddo. And what does Pharaoh do? Kills him. He shouldn't, Josiah should not have tried to block Pharaoh Necho's attempt to rescue Assyria. It looks to me like Josiah didn't like Assyria. You know, Assyria had done a lot of damage to Judah, they conquered Israel and all that. He doesn't want anybody helping Assyria. But really, it probably made more sense because you shouldn't want, uh, you know, overpowering Babylon. But at any rate, Josiah tried to stop Pharaoh Necho and was killed. So, you know, he dies at 39. You know, I think that probably increased his popularity after his death. You know, we usually think more of a dead president than we do a living one. And uh, so they, they took his body to Jerusalem and buried him in his own tomb. And so that, that was just kind of a tragic end, you know, to what was really a heartwarming story. Just an amazing uh, turn of events with a man like Josiah, you know, a boy king at first, really turning to the Lord, getting rid of the idolatries on the most comprehensive scale we've had so far, and really trying to get the people to serve. Pharaoh Necho says that. Wait, what? <laughs> he says God said he shouldn't go. Wait, we only know that Pharaoh Necho told him not to go? Am I not right about that? Let's look at this again. 3521. But Necho sent messengers to him saying, What have we to do with each other, O king of Judah? I am not coming against you today, but against the house with which I am at war, and God has ordered me to hurry. Stop for your own sake from interfering with God who is with me, so that he will not destroy you. However, Josiah would not turn away from him, and so forth and so on. Uh, Nor did he listen to the words of Necho from the mouth of God that came to make war on the plain of Megiddo. So do you take it that's true? Yes. Yes. That's what I said. Yeah, I think I think God was speaking through Necho, warning Josiah, mind your own business. 
So like it was wrong for him to go. Well, at least I don't think it was God's desire that he do this. You're saying it wasn't simple. Well, I don't know how to look at that. I don't know what God is <laughs> going to say about that. But I don't... <laughs> it wasn't really his business. I mean, you know, it never helps when the kings of God's people try to get involved in international political affairs. I mean, they always it always ends in disaster. So what happened when Necho... So Necho's trying to go to Assyria. Necho goes to Carchemish. The Assyrian forces had retreated up to Carchemish. Where is that? It's north. Up. Yeah. whose territory? Is that in well, north of Israel? I guess you... What, do what? It was north of Israel. Yeah, it'd be north and, and east. I guess you'd say it was Assyria since they were holding it. <laughs> but Assyria doesn't have much territory left. Egypt had gone up. Remember when, well, Josiah dies right here. Yeah, let me, let me put it this way. Josiah dies here. The Egyptians go up. They manage to, to firm up the Assyrian resistance at Carchemish. And they come back through then and take, you know, one king captive and put a different one in. Uh, so, and then in 605... Nebuchadnezzar managed to overrun Carchemish and take control of that whole area. So there are two battles. There's two battles of Carchemish. 609 yeah. and 605? Yeah, 605 or 606, yeah. Okay. That is a little confusing. Okay. But because the Assyrians, I mean, they had lost Nineveh, they lost Asher and Haran and so forth, but they were able to regroup and hold Carchemish with a lot of Egyptian help in 609. So Egypt's working with Assyria. Egypt? Battle, battle. Absolutely. I assume Pharaoh Necho is bright enough to realize a weak Assyrian buffer state would be a whole lot better than having Babylon as your next door neighbor. <laughs> you know, who wants that? And he's right because Nebuchadnezzar eventually inv invaded Egypt. Wow. I mean, Egypt is like kind of a far way away. <laughs> You're right. Bad. You're right. Well, that's pretty good. Yeah. Yeah, you gotta go up and over. Yeah, that's right. You can't go across. So this is this is a key event. It's it's the end of Josiah, the end of this reforming king, and uh, he should have listened to the words from Necho from the mouth of God, but he didn't. So that's that's really sad that you know he's gone and uh, they bring his body back to Jerusalem and bury it. And uh, what uh, what do they do for a successor? Jehoahaz. And who is Jehoahaz? His son. His son. So Jehoahaz becomes king in his place. Now, we talked about this a while back, I think. But remember that all of these guys pretty much have real names and throne names. We mostly know them by their throne names. But we also know some real names. So you want to know what Jehoahaz's real name was? Liakim. Shalom. Yeah. Was there a Liakim? Yes, there was, but not Jehoiachin. <laughs> That's right. Yes. And Jeconiah and Jehoiachin. Yes, good. And I can't remember. Was that a guy who did it? He did. Mataniah. That's right. Wow. Very good. Ryan's getting this down. All right, so anything you want to say through uh, 2330? What's Jehoiahaz's? Shalom. Shalom. 
You want to know why I know that? Yeah. Jeremiah 22. <laughs> what? Uh, what is it? Twenty-two ten, I think. I don't know. And we've been through it in Jeremiah study. Twenty-two eleven. So his son wasn't anything like. Peace. No, he wasn't. Josiah's offspring were nothing like Josiah was. It appears that Josiah was sixteen. He became the father of Josiah. <laughs> Wouldn't surprise me. I mean, you know. Yeah, fathers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Jehoahaz was 23 when he became king. Yeah, good point. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you know, in our country, a couple hundred years ago, it wasn't uncommon for people to get married at 14, 15, 16, have children. Great grandma got married at 13. So there you have it. Let that be a lesson to us. <laughs> Time's up, uh, Caleb. Who you want? Really, <laughs> you weren't so young after all. <laughs> well, and some of these may be arranged marriages. Who knows? So they don't necessarily have to know anything. All right, thirty-one to thirty-five. Jehoahaz was 23 years old when he became king, and he reigned three months in Jerusalem. And his mother's name was Hamatal, the daughter of Jeremiah of Libnah. He did evil in the sight of the Lord according to all that his fathers had done. Pharaoh Necho imprisoned him at Riblah in the land of Hamath, that he might not reign in Jerusalem. And he imposed on the land a fine of 100 talents of silver and a talent of gold. Pharaoh Necho made Eliakim, the son of Josiah, king in the place of Josiah his father, and changed his name to Jehoiakim. But he took Jehoahaz away and brought him to Egypt, and he died there. So Jehoiakim gave the silver and gold to Pharaoh, but he taxed the land in order to give the money at the command of Pharaoh. He exacted the silver and gold from the people of the land, each according to his valuation, to give it to Pharaoh Necho. Well, on his way up, Necho kills Josiah. What does he do on his way back? Takes Jehoahaz and takes him into Egyptian captivity. Now, what kind of a reign did Jehoahaz have? A short one. Short one and bad quality. It was, he was evil. How short was his reign, by the way? Three months. Three months. He had to do evil really fast. You know, some of these guys do remember uh, Zimri did evil, and he only lasted a week. <laughs> so they're on the ball on this evil business. Uh, but you're right. <laughs> and uh, when when Pharaoh Necho comes back through, he takes Jehoahaz with him down to Egypt and puts him in Egyptian captivity. And who does he put on the throne? His brother. Yeah. Jehoahaz's brother, whose name was? Eliakim. Eliakim. His name changed to? Jehoiakim. Jehoiakim. Why does, the, why does he care who the king of Israel is? If you put them there, they're going to like them. Well, I assume he's trying to get a pro-Egypt king, not an anti-Egypt king. But they're brothers. Yeah. Yeah, I mean... Well, brothers don't have to have the same politics. Well, how would you know? But he'd seem like he'd want some really, really bad, like Joe has. <laughs> you don't want to put a good king on the throne. I don't think there's much danger at this point. <laughs> <laughs> I think Josiah was the end of that lineage. But if he wanted a king, a pro-Egypt king, why didn't he put like an Egyptian on the throne? 
Yeah, and the people might have mutinied at that point. I, I don't know. You know, it's hard, it's hard to say some of these things. I mean, so he does put Eliakim, Jehoiakim on the throne, and, and Jehoiakim's supposed to give him a hundred talents of silver and a talent of gold every year. And, of course, he has to tax people pretty hefty to get that together. So, comments and questions on uh, Jehoiakim? Anything through 35 at least. And he was Jehoahaz's brother. That's right. But he was older. That's correct. So Josiah was 14 when he was born. Right. <laughs> 14 or 15. But the oldest son was, precocious. was not the one. That took over. Remember, the people are the ones who made Jehoahaz king. I don't know why. But they they made Jehoahaz king, and really, probably, Necho is reestablishing the right of the firstborn. I don't know if that was his purpose, but... So, obviously, the people wanted Jehoahaz specifically yes, to be king. I think they did. For that reason alone, maybe Neko didn't. <laughs> <laughs> may have been. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he may think that he can get more cooperation out of Jeho- Jehoiakim than he could out of Jehoahaz. I don't know. So in 36, Jehoiakim was 25 years old when he became king, and he reigned 11 years in Jerusalem, and his mother's name was Zebida, Zabi- Zabi- I don't know. <laughs> the daughter of Padiah of Ruma. He did evil in the sight of the Lord according to all that his fathers had done. So, not any better with Jehoiakim. Um, he was um, evil just like his fathers had been. But not his father. That's correct. His mm-hmm. four, his ancestors. Yeah, poor Josiah has a rotten family. They didn't have the same moms, did they? They did not. I don't believe. Now, you know, I'm thinking that maybe Zedekiah ended up having the same mom as Jehoahaz, but I'd have to check that. Because there will be another son of Josiah reign as king. That was Zedekiah. That's the last. That's the last one. So he goes Josiah, son, son, grandson, son. I didn't any other thoughts or comments. Alright, we'll stop here at the chapter break and work on 24 and 25 next week and I guess go to Joshua after this. <laughs>